In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. I hope you got to wake up next to the person that you're in love with. I hope the sun is shining, birds are singing. I got a great show for you today. Uh, gentlemen, him and I have been trying to connect for a little bit. We finally made it happen. The one and only Eric Horvach, entrepreneur, <laughs> investor, currently building and researching environments around the creator economy, Web3, AI, and psychedelics. He is the co-founder and chairman of the Avenue Agency, member of Abundance 360, co-producer of the incredible podcast Chatting with Candace, a board member advisor of the Entrepreneurs Organization, RDU, the Warder Institute of Conscious and Psychedelic Research, Operation Rescue Children, and various other organizations and startup. Eric, thank you so much for being here today, my friend. How are you? I am delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. The pleasure is all mine. I... Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for quite some time. It seems to me that you have developed this set of skills that is not only intriguing to me, but it seems like what you're doing is kind of this whole foundation for this change that we see going forward. This idea of Web3, the creator economy, psychedelics. Like It just seems to me that you're on the foundation of so many cool things. I was wondering if you could maybe start with a little bit of a, you know, a, little bit of a background to say how you got involved in all these things. Curiosity. So, so I started off um, entrepreneur journey in restaurants, actually. And that led me to trying to understand social spaces. And we built some technology around uh, gaming in social spaces. Mm. Uh, and so I went from like restaurants into the tech world. And then in throughout that journey, like obsessed with technology, I really enjoyed nice. blockchain technology, we were building out like mobile games. So like, Back in 2017, 18-ish, we were just toying around with the play to earn ideas, yeah. especially for like social spaces, because it could be used for a lot of cool things in a social space, like a restaurant. So I think like esports, but um, bringing that into like a more uh, real world setting. Um, yeah. And then from there, I've, I've done a lot of weird and interesting things with conscious like different like states of consciousness so always exploring different states of consciousness back in 2018 my wife and i did this thing called biocybernaut institute wow. it's a it's a neurofeedback center okay and what it is is like you sit in this black box and inside this box you're listening to your own brain waves you're in there for seven days you're you're in and Whoa. out yeah you're in and out working with a trainer and um you go to sleep at night and you go back in and you listen to your brain waves and it gives you meditations and certain things to do with your mind. And that had uh, led me to blockchain, uh, kind of like putting on the more of the investor hat. I'm a way better investor than I am an entrepreneur, I find. And, um, and making the decision to just follow anything that I'm curious about. And that has been exactly what you just mentioned, the psych psychedelics, 
Web3, creator economy, AI, trying to see like where are these, where are all these things meet towards a more compelling future. I had my first son in uh, 2019 at the Dude, end. Of congratulations, man. So stoked for you, bro. Nice. And that will rock your world. And then especially like if you're already a builder or an investor or someone that's trying to live very intentionally, it's like, holy shit. Okay. I'm just like guiding this, ushering this consciousness into the world. And here it is. Like now you're really paying attention. Like what's going on? What, what are we bringing them into? So it's like a lot of like what kind of energy, time, money, energy, like really investing and putting these things into places that matter. Yeah, man, that's amazing to me. I, I, I think that, uh, okay, so this crosses this Rubicon of ideas and technology. I'm going to, um, I, man, it's hard for me to think about. Okay, there's a, I'm going to take us way back to the ancient Greeks right here, Eric. I'm going to read you this passage about the world in which letters and language was given to humankind. And I'm going to read this passage from Plato, and then I'm going to get your interpretation about it, okay? It has to do with language right here. So let me grab my Let's book. Okay, so <clears throat> this is from Famous, which is you know one of the books in, in Plato's Republic or one of his great works right there. It would take a long time to repeat all that Famous said to Thuth in praise or blame of the various arts. But when they came to letters, this said Thuth will make the Egyptians wiser and give them better memories. It is a specific both for the memory and for the wit, Famous replied. Oh, most ingenious Thuth, the parent or inventor of an art is not always the best judge of the utility or inutility of his own inventions to the users of them. And in this instance, you who are the father of letters from a paternal love of your own children have been led to attribute to them a quality which they cannot have. For this discovery of yours will create forgetfulness in the learner's souls because they will not use their memories. They will trust to the external written characters and not remember of themselves. The specific which you have discovered is an aid not to memory, but to reminiscence. And you give your disciples not truth, but only the semblance of truth. They will be hearers of many things and will have learned nothing. They will appear to be omniscient and will generally know nothing. They will be tiresome company, have the show of wisdom without the reality so I, I think what he's breaking down there is that when we were given written text when we were given letters and language it was almost our demise like the seeds of our demise were planted in the phonetic alphabet where and even all technologies when you're given this technology it takes away your ability on some other level and i'm just curious if we i know i'm kind of i'm kind of going in depth right here so bear with me i'm going to get to this point right here so if we use this as a stepping stone and we can agree with the premise that when we provide people with a technology, it causes that normal muscle to aphitry, whether it's language and memory or whether it's whatever technology we're introducing. Do you think it's possible that what we're seeing right now is like the atrophy that language has imposed on our memory? And that, that's kind of where we are right now. Maybe these new technologies are going to do the same thing. I know it's kind of a wide margin right there, but. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So I've always, not always, the, a, a hat that I've put on recently. Okay. When it comes to technology and building and expression is like, it's a little out there too, but nice. I think it works. Like the, if you, the earth, um, is obviously very old and we're not right so we become an expression of the earth if you believe that the right. earth is living and the earth is actually expressing itself in some way um i don't know why it expressed humans or had created humans in any way um i know that we went through a crazy evolutionary period have you seen the show on netflix uh, chimp empire no i have not seen it but i will look it up it is a blast into our amygdala <laughs> It's incredible. There's politics and there's like, it's crazy watching these chimps operate um, either in a hierarchical structure or a tribe or like, and then seeing which ones actually thrive versus versus are really struggling. Um, but anyway, yeah. So as the earth expressed us and we have been expressing tools and we've been expressing right. things since we've started developing that capability to help us survive. Really? Everything's a fitness payoff. Right. Everything helps us survive. 
So as we, and we keep doing that and we keep operating from that place of survival. Now, I don't, I don't know why like the current technologies are converging the way that they are, but they seem to be, what I do recognize is that they are an expression of us. So if we are an expression of the earth and these technologies are an expression of, of us, then in some way it's all divine. So there's, um, there's, there's an ushering mm -hmm. as this stuff comes through us. I think we have a choice to make everyone that's a builder or an investor or an entrepreneur or someone, right. it seems like there's a choice to make on, are we going to allow this stuff to come through us in what form? Right. So like yeah. it has, it comes down to intentionality. It's like, well, I can build this and take away people's memories and take away their freedom and take away their control, or I can build this and it can enhance life on earth in some way. And it just comes down to a choice. It's a simple choice. It's like, goes back to like the good and evil. And the thing that like, when you were reading that, the thing that popped up in my head, cause it all, it all kind of traces yeah. back. It's like, well, what, seems to be happening and maybe this is just part of our evolution when it comes to technology yeah. i don't know but we are losing sight of who we are we're losing sight of ourselves in a lot of ways and the reason why i don't think it's a mistake that something like psychedelics is coming up at the same time for the second time as mm -hmm. artificial intelligence as blockchain technologies as all these uh, exponential age technologies are occurring all of a sudden here comes this second wave of psychedelics yeah and it's like it's like the earth saying, look, you need to upgrade. Stop upgrading your software. Upgrade your software. Right? <laughs> Get there. <laughs> yeah. We've got to download yeah. some new uh some new software to our neck top. Yeah, ne yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, in the heart, I mean, the hardware is a hundred a couple yeah. hundred thousand years old and and it, it's ever changing and ever evolving. There's an organization I found out there recently that was called um bits and atoms i think it is okay so bits and atoms is i'll give you like this is not i am i'm i am a technology enthusiast i study the way like the trends of the world right like i i studied the macro economy for for years and then startup investor i invested in a ton of projects so um it's always been like where does my interest meet the most compelling future hmm. so i'm not like a scientist but I find things to be very interesting and then I start following that rabbit hole. And one of the things, um, it's always been quantum computing, I think is absolutely fascinating. Uh, Bits and Atoms is an organization that through their research is leading them to there being no difference between a bit and an atom. Hmm. So the material world that we see versus the digital world really has a place and you go as deep, the deep, as deep as you go. If you can go deep enough, there's a place where they come together and become one. It makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. I mean, I like to think that the the earth grows people the way apple tree grows apples, right? So right. it's all, you know, it's all it's all us in a weird sort of way. If you want to dig down, it's all you in some weird sort of way. It, it, I, yeah. yeah. If you go deep enough, it is. That's why it's called inner work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great right. point. Yeah. You know. Sometimes I wonder too how um I've been zooking out like a lot on Marshall McLuhan lately, man. This one's called the Gutenberg Galaxy. Man, this guy's this guy I think was 50 years ahead of everybody back in the in, ironically enough, he was big in the last wave of psychedelics. So it's it's interesting that I'm rereading him now and it's becoming so much more relevant in my life. But he talks a lot about too the different ways in which technologies affect not only us, but he talks that when a technology is introduced like either from within or from without a culture and it gives new stress or ascendancy to one or another of our senses, the ratio among all our senses is altered. Like, and that blows my mind a little bit to think about like all of a sudden we've entered this digital age. So not only are we consuming media differently, but it changes the ratio of our senses in which we see the world, right? Like we're beginning to highlight maybe Maybe the, the way in which you hear heard things 20 years ago is different now because you're combining it with a different type of media. And that changes the whole the gears on the whole machine, right? That's a pretty fascinating concept to think about. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if you like we, we man, the internet, <laughs> the internet in general just sent us on such a trajectory. Yeah. 
Right. And it's like, well, here's a bunch of, here's as much information as you could possibly handle at one time. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And we thought that was going to be a good idea. And I right. think it is a good idea. I think it's yeah. a natural part of, of our, our evolution in some way, but it's still, it's like over, like, okay, let's overwhelm the human mind so mm-hmm. much. So like, if you look at if, like the narrative, it's like, uh, we got flooded with information and everyone started believing everything that they read on the internet. Right. And then all of a sudden it became like the internet was creating the narrative. I mean, you, I mean, all the psyop stuff like, like that all is there. Right. So the internet is now is then starting to create the narrative, the memes creating the narrative We're we're entering the internet meets artificial intelligence where now I'm thinking what's going to happen is, the narrative around like the internet inside our heads is going to be like, well, now I can't believe anything. So instead of like going Mm -hmm. from, I believe everything I see and read on the internet. And it's like, there's a, there's an immediate doubt. It's like, this thing was created by an artificial intelligence. So then what's the next iteration of that? Or where, where does our trust start going? And I, I think that's where, so we talked in the beginning about creator economy. Yeah. And I think that that is the most important piece of individuals like you who are out there talking in the world. It's just like, we need people we can trust. And the only way you can know if you can trust someone is if you really download their digital selves into yourself. Like, is this person feel right? Does this person like really have the values and beliefs that I think need to exist in the world for whatever reason, right? I mean, hopefully there's more people that are looking for like a good <laughs> like good reason i mean it's yeah. like i don't know no it makes sense you know i that i'm curious to, to get into that idea like when we, we when you look so i noticed too that when you wrote ai in your bio you use lowercase it was that like a was that like a message to say that i think that ai is not as big as we think it is <laughs> <laughs> ah, you caught that <laughs> i don't honestly it was like i never i don't know the right way to do it yeah, me neither. And to me, it feels like a lowercase. Okay. But it's, yeah, it I agree. Like a lowercase. Like, I don't know why everyone keeps putting it in, yeah. in like uppercase. It just didn't make any sense. Like, we we made it. Yeah. Like, it was an expression of us. And it's like, it's art, right? Like, the artist is the uppercase. Right. The art is the lowercase. And it's sooner, you know, maybe it'll become conscious one day and we can have that yeah. conversation on when I'll start uppercasing my A's. <laughs> I love it, man. Anybody listening to this, you should always go AI lowercase. Like it's Junior. <laughs> hey, Junior, come over here. You know what I mean? But it's it's fascinating to think about. So if we if we get back into this idea of the creator economy, and as someone who has begun to build the lattice around it, I'm curious what you foresee happening. In my mind, it seems like the live format is the one thing that really authenticates you. It's like the stream of consciousness is its own heightened state of awareness. You're here. You're present. And if we look back to, you know, the, the, the Sufi poets or we look at psychedelics or we even look at the people we love in our life, it's that immediate conversation between you and me here and now that really has the juice. Is that something that's going to be incorporated into the, and be purposeful for the creator economy? Yeah, I hope so. I think, it, I think it's the only way to do it. And I think, I mean, I find it wild that we don't have presidential campaigns and debates on podcasts. I mean, it's just because like you said, it's authenticity and you're not yeah. going to get the authentic version of somebody when they're sitting up on a stage and getting asked very specific questions and then waiting for an answer. Like you're going to get the authentic version of them when they're in a dialogue with somebody. And that's the way yeah. it's just the way it needs to happen. So, yeah, I, I think that um, I mean, the real big challenge there is that there it's it's still the same problem that there's so much content. And it's yeah. like, who do, who do you trust? And are they going straight to the source? But we'll get there. And I think that's, you know, that's where Web3 can come in and, and, you know, start validating certain things. But yeah, in the end, I do think that authenticity you can, is the most important part of the creator economy moving forward. And that, that's not to say like someone that just picks up a microphone and starts talking doesn't mean that they're an authentic person. They're just really good at talking. Right. It's just that doesn't mean that they're doesn't mean that they're integral to like when we use like the psychedelic work. It's like, let's sort out the stuff that I'm not in order to get down to the stuff that I am. And then let me express that stuff. Right. And then that's where that's where the authenticity really comes in. So what I look for is people that are 
integral, not just authentic. Not because you could be authentic and still be talking from uh, a very hurt part, right? And it's still authentically yeah. your body and you, but it's not integral. It's not. It's not the not hurt part. It's not the magic part, right? Yeah, it's true. That that tends to. I think you can identify that on some level. Maybe that's that attraction that we feel when we meet a close friend or we find someone that we really want to build a relationship is that you can recognize the thing in them that resides in you. Like you see the mirror there, right? Like, hey, this person's right. an asshole just like me. Or, hey, I know why he's doing that. Or, man, this person really cares. Or, hey, this person's really been hurt. I know because I've been hurt that way. And like that's where you can get that real bond in there, right? And you can... I, I guess it goes to show that we're communicating not only through our voice and our facial features, but you know, Lord knows how much pheromones or what's being exchanged between us when we're sitting next to each other. Like maybe that's where that integral part comes from too. I yeah. guess. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's part of the gifts. Like yeah. someone that's had, and I know this, like, or my, my wife is a perfect example. Um, she had a rough, a lot of, challenging situations growing up that created an automatic response in her where she can smell bullshit way better than I can. She's just like the queen of smelling bullshit on anybody. And it's not just any bullshit. It's not like someone that's just lying or something like that, but it's more like, are they coming from them? Mm. Right. Or is there something else that's, that's stirring up? And sometimes she can't even identify and she'll bring it up. I'm like, babe, like, okay, you got that sense. That's good. Appreciate that. Love that part, right? Because it's a, it's part of the gift. Um, I don't know how to recreate. I mean, man, if we can use technology to recreate something like that. That'd be really good. But then again, it's like, well, that's why humans, that, that's part of the special magic of being human. And I do think that in person, I mean, this this is fine. Like, this is okay. Like, I'm getting it's a pretty fair. good sense of, of you, but it's not, ah, yeah, in person is just so much better because, like, yeah, there's yeah. energy, that energy connect. But then you get into quantum stuff and it's like, well, do we really need that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, one of my favorite authors from like the olden, olden times, one of my favorite authors in the world of religious studies is Marseille Iliad. And he talks about this idea of like the felt presence of the other, you know, and sometimes you can really feel it like on a high dose psilocybin trip or in, in any heightened state of awareness, being next to somebody, you really begin to have an, a, a truer understanding of who they are and I, i'm hopeful that maybe one day we will be able to feel that felt presence of the other through the internet maybe that comes through maybe that comes through some of the the ideas in gaming we're doing now eric i talked to this gentleman from uh i'm gonna butcher the name of this school and i'm so sorry it's mastriac university in amsterdam and he is studying the effects of dmt in gaming and talking about creating new games where and the way he describes it is so awesome. Zeus, if you're listening, I love you, buddy. It comes down to this idea. Of, he says, you may have to take a psychedelic to prepare your brain for the immersive experience. So my question to you is, would you take a psychedelic in order to prepare your brain for an incredible new game? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I don't I don't know if I would be interested in a game that you needed to do psychedelics in order to be in, in order to experience. I would rather like take it the other direction. It's like a game that prepares you for a psychedelic experience mm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean that's fascinating. I was just at um Maps. Oh nice. Oh, you went to Denver. Yeah, I was in Denver. And um Epic. Yeah, and there's projects that we were introduced to that are there that people are creating and you you probably already know. I'm like um, VR experiences that really get you into a, an altered state. And it's, it's incredible. I've, I haven't tried it, but I love that people are working through that and working on that to help guide people to those states. And there's, yeah. um, yeah, and there's a lot of amazing technology out there. Gaming though, man. So are they saying that the game itself, like as you play the game or as you experience the game, it, it helps you release DMT. Well, he couldn't it? get in. He couldn't. He's got like a bunch of NDAs. And so he couldn't really get into it too much. Oh, okay. And at first I had that same reaction. Like, wait a minute, man. Well, you're going to take me into Brave New World. What's wrong with you? I'm not going there. 
you know, but then I started thinking like, well, shoot, I, I take some, I take like a light dose to go to a museum. I'll go to a concert and take one. Yeah. Fuck, I mean, if I had some sick and, and he was using like that new HTC set, which according to him is better than Apple. I've tried neither, but you know, he said that, you know, uh, it's similar in that he, I'm paraphrasing here in my belief, what I got out of the conversation was something along the lines of, if you have the headset on and you have like a heightened sense of awareness, all of a sudden you can start seeing stuff from the corner of your eyes that maybe you wouldn't see if you were in a normal state of consciousness. You know, sometimes, you know, maybe your, your pupils are dilated and so more light can come in and that's going to allow you to, you know, see a different dimension in the game or something like that. You know, it's, and so I was like, Whoa, okay, I get it. You know, when you look at it, taking a substance, not only for gaming, but for any sort of immersive experience, I could see, like, I would, I would definitely try it. I, I think that there's something to be said about being in a heightened state of awareness and playing a game. I don't know how true to reality it would be, but I think it, it would be fascinating. But it seems dangerous because what if it's really, really fun? And how old would the kids have to be to take this drug? Is it safe? I mean, there's so many roadblocks in there, but it's still pretty fascinating to think about. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. I mean, I guess we're already taking these taking substances and watching tv or playing a regular game <laughs> <laughs> totally man not that well so in my so in my gaming yeah. days one of the things that i found the most interesting was the psychology behind it because it's not oh, like regular yeah. software yeah. right like right. and anyone that's been involved with a software company or a SaaS company it's like they're it's very um it's usually very business oriented. It's like, you know, B2B or B2C and you're building something that solves some problem for some business mm -hmm. or for some person mm -hmm. in gaming. It's art, right? So like, mm -hmm. uh, I've been to SAS conferences and, and it's very like very businessy. Everyone's got a title and like, uh, <laughs> but you go to GDC, the game developers conference and they are like, they're, they're beautiful starving artists, like yeah. indie game developers trying to create, they're just trying to create art through gaming and the coolest part of it is the psychology that goes into it because yeah. like it, you can't just thrust someone into a game it's about how do you how do you guide them in order right. to make sure that they understand the little components of it and then it's like a constant guiding so what does that sound like right use the gaming like in a psychedelic experience or a psychedelic yeah. journey if you don't have a yeah. proper guide that takes you on that journey in order to make sure that the experience is its most effective that gaming like gaming in general, HR or VR, um, AR, I can see enhancing that guiding journey. Right. Like how right. do you get there? Like, it's even like, I've always, I believe since through my research and psychedelics and stuff that, um, it is a journey that starts way before. It's like almost like that you choose to do a journey, a psychedelic journey, and then your journey begins. Right. It could be six yeah. months away, yeah. but then right there is where it constant, where, where, where it begins. And then obviously you do it. And then you have to, the next journey is the integration process. And I think gaming could be used very effectively in that, in that process. But I don't know, you know, it's like, uh, even with these substances, they're altered states. Our phones are altered states, TV yeah. altered states, everything's, you know, and it comes for me, it always comes back to you doing it for entertainment and avoiding. Right. 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 Or are you doing it for whether spiritual growth, personal growth, personal development, some sort of creative outlet? Yeah. You know. Yeah. When I, when I think of gaming, like I, I love the idea that you brought up about a guide because even the games I played, like I grew up on like a, my friend, the Atari. No, I'm dating myself. I was first Atari. Then I had Nintendo than the Sega Genesis, you know, and, and I kind of tapped out at the PS1 right there. But, you know, in all those games <laughs> was like the hero's journey. You know what yeah. I mean by that? Like, it, it's just the, it's the evolution of the great storytellers and a different medium to tell the story. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I was talking to Zeus, we were talking about game design and the way in which the best way to get in someone's head and keep them there is through these old frameworks of mythological structures. Hmm. Zeus was brought up in the world of voodoo, man. And so I was like, okay, so is there mythology in voodoo? And he started telling me about conjuring. And there's an entity there that has to have a top hat and a feather and like a glass of wine, you know? And then I, 
But so as he's telling me all this, like, I'm like, oh crap, I don't know anything about conjuring. That might also be an incredible way to build a video game framework on is all of a sudden, you know, and, and it, it kind of, it coincides with the world of psychedelics and some native, you know, some native different ideas of spirituality where you bring the being inside of you. You know, you can almost see like you put on a set of goggles and then all these things pop onto you and, you know, you become conjured into this game. And that that would help on the whole psychedelic range. But yeah, man, I really love the idea of behavior and frameworks and the hero's journey. And in some ways, it, it seems like that's that's what we're all on, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, those it's interesting because like i've been thinking a lot in my journey like i've i i've done the gaming thing right and um not as a gamer i've actually never been a gamer but i've built <laughs> mobile games right as it, in a company but the um i do you know the conjurer i was told one time that there's no such thing as a new idea right right they're all yeah. like re, they're all just repurposed right right <laughs> they're all we're all just keep going so all, all these things that are coming through us have all happened just in a different flavor yeah right so when it comes to yeah when it comes to gaming and uh and psychedelics and how those things come together um hero's journey sounds pretty fun one of the projects that i'm working on right now and this is like behind the scenes like we're not nice. public about it okay um not yet anyway uh I'm not really public about much yet but in this fall we'll be talking about this stuff a little bit more but it's called the human promise initiative and the idea is to use we've been working on this for about a year now and i've been studying a lot of these technologies including gaming and thinking about them on how including psychedelics right i do consider psychedelics to be like a raw material and sure. the technology portion of it is what comes through us, mm -hmm. right? So that could be gaming. It could be like, so it's like set setting, all that stuff that we know about, but then also it's the other tools that we're using and how they're, they're put together in such a way and the, right. and the framework, right? The mental framework behind right. um, an actual, the set and setting, right? That to me feels more like technology because it's an expression of us. So, um, so what, we're, what we've been studying and creating is we're going to do a summit in 2024 where we're bringing together all the what all the technologies artificial intelligence web3 mm -hmm. psychedelics trying to discover how they can be interchangeably used and converged in order to do what feels like to us and through some of our um teachers um to be the highest good the highest purpose for humanity and the earth and that means basically it's um it's sorting out your shit, right? It's like, well, how can all this stuff be used to sort yourself out right? and be more of the, like we talked about before, not the authentic version of you, but the integral version of you. And that, which leads to more people in the creator economy and web three, like all that stuff comes together. But um, yeah, the project itself is called the human promise initiative. And if anyone's interested in technology, Web3, artificial intelligence, even gaming, and see psychedelics as a tool to be used for a purpose. Um, and maybe not quite sure what that purpose is. Like, this is the place where we're going to discover that. And it's like a mastermind type of thing. But um, yeah, it's coming out yeah. next. We'll, we'll be figuring it out next year. I have a, a link tree on my on my socials and if anyone's interested just follow my socials like on twitter i'm gonna be i'm not on twitter very often i'm not on social media very often i am going to start in the fall when these projects start launching but um yeah there's there's some really fun stuff going on in, in the psychedelic world and technology and we're going to be on the forefront of it for sure no doubt i don't know yeah i, yeah, I don't know about like what's going to come out of it as far as like gaming and all right. that but i do know that it's important that these substances are used for for that purpose yeah i think if you already had an idea of what's coming out of it you would be just loading yourself up with limiting beliefs right because you can't really know <laughs> but on it. some level it sounds to me like 
it sounds to me like the human human promise project. Did I say that right? The or human promise initiative. Human promise initiative. It sounds a lot like spirituality to me. It sounds like you have like the the Triton of Poseidon with like gaming and psychedelics. Like you have this three prong thesis that kind of dances around or maybe gives credence to or breathes life into a new sort of spirituality. I know that word is charged pretty much, but what's your take on the relationship between those and spirituality? Well, it, who knows? Uh, right? Uh, what's the word? Egre uh, egregore. Egregore. Right? <laughs> I got You got to unpack that for me. I have like a, a, a cloud of what that could be, but I don't really know. Uh, well, the the basics of it is that we create collect it's it's collective consciousness okay. targeted towards a particular thing. Okay. Right. It's just, it's made up, which yeah. is like, you know, Matthew McConaughey style, Fugazi, Fugazi, fairy dust. <laughs> right. So spirituality, it's like, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I mean, there's 4,000, something like 4,000 religions. Right. So in a lot of right. ways, yes, it's spiritual, but, like what isn't mm. right. The way that we choose to go about our day is spiritual. The way that we choose to get a job and like the reasoning behind going to get a job is spiritual. If you allow it to be. So yes, it's, it is like fairly, you can call it spiritual, but it's, it's like to me, egregore, right? It's no different than a bunch of people getting together with a similar belief, trying to build something towards something, mm. right? Like um, I'm a part of the, we talked, you talked about in the beginning of abundance 360, Peter Diamandis's leadership program and uh, singularity university. And they teach something called a massively transformative purpose and how to come up with your massively transformative purpose. And this is for entrepreneurs and business leaders. Like, okay, well, if you can come up with this massively wildly transformative thing that you're here on earth for, and it has to feel like it has to have energy drawn into it. It needs to feel real for you. And it's hard to come up with for people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard for me. And, um, and then once you have that, you start building and guiding your life towards it. And it gives you purpose, right? If that's, and if you have a company, a couple of things happen. One is you have someone talking about the purpose of the company and, when they're public about it, more people will funnel in and be like, Hmm, okay. That interests me because you're, you're hitting on something that's like a curiosity button to people. And then an audience starts forming. And then from there, um, a community starts forming like psychedelics has done this on its own. Like you see psych communities forming around the substance, right? Which to me, um, it's like the sacred calf, like the golden calf, like, I think it's going to be a little bit careful around yeah. building communities around a substance. Like what's, what, what is the spirituality here? Like, are you really like, what, what are you here to worship? You know, mm, we've right. been told this story before ideas aren't, aren't, aren't new. Right. Right. <laughs> They've happened before. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think there's got to be careful with the golden calf thing, but, um, yeah. So massively transformative purpose. Someone expresses it. An audience starts forming. You see this creator economy. Audience starts forming from that audience. A community starts building from that audience. There's very skilled people, people that are not just skilled in what they're doing, but super interested in your mission. So then you have staff on demand there include web three, right? That's mm -hmm. how a lot of like the web three stuff kicks in um, staff on demand, meaning you have a pool of humans that have some skill that could be used to insert into your mission in such a way that, that makes sense. Peter Diamandis teaches having a moonshot, right? You have a purpose mm. and the moonshot is something that's fairly achievable, almost achievable. It's like this thing's wild and out of control, but here's metrics behind it and it can right. actually be done. Um, so then, then you convince people like, yeah, this thing can really be done and more people can start following it and more people start following it. And then you get skilled people on it. And then, um, you know, that's, that's the way Peter Diamandis teaches it. And then you build yeah. the community. Now there's, a challenge there because if anyone's been through like the startup world they're like a startup incubator or accelerator program like what they teach is um survival but not mm. even the survival that keeps like a company or initiative or a project alive it's like the survival that gets them to the next level where they can go get some more money from somebody mm. and that gets them to the next level again where they can go get some money for somebody so this whole thing converges at like a new like uh, bootstrapping type of 
world where the survival activities are really just cash flows feeding a community mm-hmm. and then the and then building that community so that's the way i see um that's the way i see some of these hopefully some of these like if you're talking about gaming or these convergence of technologies with psychedelics any psychedelic communities that are already existing pin a purpose up on the wall bound together with skillful people and go achieve something right because then you're right because then it becomes spiritual it becomes like another church like i i have no interest in building a church right (laughs) (laughs) that we've been there done that i think that um we don't need to get into religion, but like, I don't know. I don't know if it really worked the way that we've been doing it. So yeah, I'll stop there. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, man. It's, I, I like the way in which it's described. I'm, and that, that brings me to another question about web three. It seems like those two modalities you described are almost, it seems like they're working together now. But is Web3 going to be something that takes out the old model of the survival and asking for money model? Like, it seems like that kind of is antiquated to me. When I start looking at the way in which people are coming together, when you start talking about staff on demand or, you know, just you and I talking or, you know, someone meeting someone and then, hey, you can do this, I can do that, you know, or, but it seems like that is kind of growing together the same way mushrooms grow together. Like, it's just these connections coming together and then the fruit pops up, right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and it's it's going to be a hybrid, right? Like okay. you can't get rid of institutions. Like uh, right. I'm I hope Me that too. a lot of these technologies can be used for as for anti-inflammatory purposes. Web3 I think is like the ultimate anti-inflammatory drug. You insert web3 into I mean it's you take the word big and put it in front of anything, big pharma, big tech, big finance, big whatever big government um and you can identify the inflammation that exists in the world and once you find the inflammation you can be like okay well we got a bunch of cool technology artificial intelligence web3 you can start plugging it into that and hopefully be that anti-inflammatory drug web3 i think is um or blockchain technology i think is is the ultimate for something like that especially in finance yeah but i mean all right, psychedelics, big pharma. How inflammatory is that? It's they keep you on the treadmill of pills and Addiction. stuff. But once we really dig into healing, right? So I think that we are. I'm hope. I think that if we guide these things in the right direction, into an anti-inflammatory direction, yeah. And we have, we are on the cusp of having a really cool world. And I yeah. think we can do it. It's just a matter of a lot of people. And, you know, back to spirituality. I mean, yeah, if you want to make a purpose, a spiritual endeavor, then I think, yeah, yeah, you should, right? Because we gotta, we should make meaning of our lives in some, in some sense, some way, or at least I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the saying that in life, you can't control what happens to you, but you and you alone get to control the meaning of that event. That's helped me through like some pretty deep tragedies. And I know some other people that have, that have that used that too. And once you begin using that sort of framework in your life, all of a sudden you realize that you, know, you can see the world with fresh eyes because you realize this thing that happened to you that you thought was a huge tragedy. Holy shit, it's the greatest gift you've ever been given. And you've just figured out that it's a tool. You've just figured out that this thing that hurt you so bad has actually given you the strength to go through anything because nothing can hurt you as bad as that thing did. So now you have like this power behind you, you know, and when we start talking about meaning and purpose, I think those are beautiful ways in which to begin looking at yourself through the mirror. And then once you do that, you can start seeing other people's purpose or allowing you to, to help them with their meaning. And then that helps everything grow in a way. And when I, when I think about it, I love the idea of the big and inflammatory. When I see psychedelics and big pharma, I see a Trojan horse. You know, when you see the idea of psychedelics weaving their way through the bloodstream of pharmaceutical industries, what you see it is, is going in there and rooting out all like the negative stuff. There's a lot like for so long, doctors in our world, they no longer took the medicine that they were giving to people. Like no doctor is going to take a bunch of Suboxone and then give it to somebody who's a heroin addict, right? But if you're going to take ayahuasca or if you're going to take some mushrooms, the chances that you take them by yourself 
are probably not as good as taking him with a friend for the first time. You know, and a friend is kind of like a doctor, but I think that that sort of idea is permeating the inflammation of the pharmaceutical industry. A lot of doctors now are like, yeah, I should probably try this before I do it. And like that, that only goes so far before it becomes systemic, you know? And, but I, I've never heard the idea before, man. You're really good at pointing that kind of stuff out. That's probably why you're so successful, man. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I was just at map. So the whole doctor, yeah. it was, it was wild how, um, medical the, I Ooh. felt, yeah, it was like, like there was tons of good spiritual stuff. There was right. tons of personal development, but the people I talked to, um, were very medical. Like they're very, they're, they're interested in the medical right. application of it. And like, um, there's, I do believe that psychedelics is best done in a community setting. Um, and I do think that they are working their way. Man, it it pains me to think about how the institutional <laughs> players are just. And I watch it. I'm, I'm seeing it happen in real life. I went to an investor meetup at Maps, um, VCs and everything. But like they are coming at it with the same hat that they've always had on it which me which is i have to take roi back to my investors right and they're and they're only looking at the, the roi as cash and like mm. not only that but like there's and this is everywhere it's across media and everything like there's a big focus in anxiety depression and these things are like of course please like let's let's try and figure out how we can use these substances and and solve those problems but those problems are also symptoms of something much bigger Right. Like there's like depression, anxiety, that's a symptom. And right now we're focused entirely on profiting off of that symptom. In mm -hmm. my perspective of maps and the industry and so far as it's going, and I hope it doesn't keep going in that direction, but um, it doesn't feel good to me. It feels more like let's try and point in another direction and say, well, let's use these for this because this thing right here solves all these other problems. And unfortunately, the leaders of big pharma, they're not going to see it, right? They're not going to see it because they don't, they don't care. Right. They don't care. They're just, they care about what they're, what they're taught to care about. So I think that we need new, we need new models, Right? We need to take on these inflammatory industries through some other model, some other way of building a similar company or a similar institution. Like if you think about an entity, like what we're doing is we're building entities. Like we've mm -hmm. built these inflammatory as a community. I'm not saying right. like I, yeah. I never come from this, the standpoint of pointing my finger and blaming an institution, whether a government institution or whatever it is. Like we collectively had thought these up, built them for a purpose. Like we needed them. Let's honor our past. However, let's use innovation and recognize where we've where we've we've done it wrong, and let's innovate our way to creating a new one. And we got the tools sitting right in front of us to do that. I don't know the right way to put them together yet. I think I'm I love being a part of doing it. Yeah. But if we can create through a similar structure that that we were talking about before, like Peter Diamandis yeah. and the community stuff. But if we can, if we can create more decentralized versions in some way without sounding like utopian um uh like it, it can be done in a hybrid model where you have people that believe in in what you're doing and building the pharmaceutical company the way it's supposed to supporting each other where like doctors are willing to take the medicine because i don't you know how many doctors out there prescribing medicine they're not willing to take themselves <laughs> like it's it's garbage yeah <clears throat> And then the other piece of that, I would say, then this is kind of like a word of caution to um, psychedelic communities almost. Um, th through my research and experience so far, talking to doctors and people that have been working with these medicines for 50 years, it's obvious to me that it's not a panacea. Right. You're not going like, to, it's, it's psychedelics aren't going to solve everything. And we've heard that before, but at the same sense, like if I'm not going to, if I broke my leg, I'm not going to go to a doctor and go get penicillin. 
right? It's like, it's the same concept, I believe, in psychedelics. This is why we need, we have sh like shamans or practitioners, psychologists, people that have been studying the brains, people mm -hmm. that study all that. This is, it's important that they do that work so we better understand, um, not just on a spiritual level, because I do think we need the whole, you need the whole body, right? You need the spiritual body and everything. But um, I, I see a lot of people throwing heroes dose at like, you know, some very specific depression or anxiety or fear. And sure, it might do relief, like some relief might come out of it. Like the pressure cooker kind of like, okay, right. let me just get a little relief. But it kicks back into gear. And sometimes it kicks back into gear a lot stronger than before. And it's because like it's people need we need more elders like we need more people mm. out there that are studying the neuroscience and the chemistry and everything that's going on in the mind but then also teamed up with the elders of the community that are like yeah they've been experiencing in and out of interdimensional like you name it like worlds for a long time and like deep inside the human psyche and deep inside like um the quantum world inside a human being and understanding like the molecular how it all connects if we had that and some more stories around like it's more science that's more specific towards like um towards a specific disease or an ailment a mental ailment or whatever it is i think we can target using psychedelics those things much more clearly rather than giving penicillin to a broken leg Does that make sense yeah totally i i it it, <clears throat> it brings me back to this idea i'm going to try to tie the 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 ideas of psychedelics that, we, that you just spoke about to quantum computing. We don't really have the tools to measure what the fuck is going on. And that's a huge problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we can measure things with science, but we don't have the language to explain the actual observation, right? There's a lot of subjective things that happen. And when I use language as a, as a tool you may see that tool as something else, or you may not understand the way I'm using that tool, or I may not be explaining that tool the right way. But I think that we can't allow the subjectivity to not be measured. We just don't have the tool to do it yet. Like we don't really know what's happening, but we believe it's working. Maybe that's enough. I mean, maybe placebo tied with psychedelics equals a panacea. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like it's in the quantum, yeah. yeah. You're right, but we have to get there, right? Humans have yeah. to get there. Right, right. Right? And it's a dangerous thing, man. I was sure. in a, uh, cause like you can, you can have a, a, a belief, but if it's not rooted right. in like what we, in like authentically you, like I can have a belief and then manifest, you know, whatever it is, but it's rooted in, in grief and pain and, and greed. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I'm yeah. still going to, I'm still finding myself in, in like a cesspool of stuff. Sure. Right. Like small business owners find themselves there all the time. Like they create this thing and they, they literally, they created it, they manifested it, but it's coming from a place of scarcity and greed. Mm. And then they find themselves in a decade of depression because of the place that it all came from. And I think that that, mm. yeah. So you're talking about, thought cultural, about it like that. Wow. You're talking about cultural, um, like trying to guide a cultural belief towards something. I think, yeah, we yeah. can get there someday, but uh, I mean, we got a lot of baggage. <laughs> we do. I guess people like, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. What do you, Eric, like, so as someone who's in the investor community and understands startups, you know, it seems to me that cannabis went the way of a lot of companies. It's see, let me just say it like this. It seems that in the world of psychedelics, a lot of the startups are failing. Is that because they're rooted in trying to get ROI the old fashioned way? Or it just seems like there's a pattern. You, you take a psychedelic company, it fails. Take a psychedelic company, it goes, it fails, right? What, I think, what do you attribute that to? I think you nailed it. I think, uh, I mean, startups are, are wildly like right. they, 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 that's what they do. They fail. I mean, the, the founders, tie their identity to them. And then when they're not doing so, like the first time they're not doing so well, your identity goes down with the company, ah. right? And then that becomes depression. Like that's like mm. the burnout stage of an entrepreneur. And if you're, this is why the, like having a why, have a really strong purpose is, is important because you get through those, those down spots. If you're doing it just for money, then you're, you're going to get depressed. Like you're, it's, it's not going to be that fun. Now psychedelics. Yeah. I've, well, one, it's illegal 
Yeah, there's that. There's that. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess we will see more and more coming out. And I've seen them. Like we're I was sitting uh just at maps. I was pitched. Um some guy had microdosing, like little packaged microdosing things. And he did a really cool way of putting it together. It's like a little lozenger. And um, it was uh, each little one was, I think, a quarter of a gram of psilocybin in there. Um, and he packaged it really nice. And who knows? Like maybe, maybe when yeah. it's legal and he can start selling it, then he'll do he'll do well. But yeah, first we need legislation. And I, I don't. Right. I am on the fence on like there's the school of thought where you know how do you put legislation and how do you make it illegal to have a plant right that's abs that's absurd right the cannabis thing like I, I don't understand how you can do that um <laughs> it is absurd it's ridiculous however we ha we are who we are as humans and we've we've done this thing which was create a giant law that banned something mm -hmm. right i it is just unlikely and as much as I believe that it shouldn't be illegal, it is unlikely that it'll go like they're just, they're just going to wake up one day and federally make it legal. I don't, I don't think it's going to, it's going to go through a big process. And, uh, and in, in the meantime, um, these, man, it's, this stuff is magic. Like the, it originally was held very sacred by indigenous cultures by shamans, by people that had some serious, serious, um, sacred reciprocity, uh, reciprocity, reciprocity. Yeah. And they held that sacred. They're like, yeah, this yeah. is the stuff. Like, this is how I can speak to God. This is how I can speak to my soul. This is how I can really navigate the world. And they become priests. They become, you know, whatever. That's kind of the way, I mean, from my learn education so far in the field like every religion at some point if you trailed all the way back someone's using psychedelics right it's like <laughs> yeah um stealing fire i always come back to stealing fire uh Stephen Kotler. right it's like yeah prometheus yeah it's like <laughs> man do as a society we we bound together and we create these rules and these laws and these things in order to to progress right let's say it yeah. that way now there's well, a school of thought of like let's do it for control and obviously we know that's not good but let's but if we bound together and we do this as like a, a group it's like well you know maybe that guy over there who's already connected to in some way to the earth and the heavens naturally like that guy maybe we let him do the journeys and come back and bring us like the fruits Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it does seem like it makes sense rather than just going out there and be like all right now everyone like the vikings right right the vikings were like all right everyone do a bunch of mushrooms after you go out and kill everyone of course <laughs> that works because you you have to you you cleanse all that murder yeah <laughs> you can go do it again yeah and rape and pillage right it's like <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know so that's where i like i'm on the fence i'm like well should everybody be doing <laughs> psychedelics like no I, I don't know like can we keep it i don't want to like we don't need the vikings again and i'm part like i my my and i'm like viking i have viking right. blood right like <laughs> and i'm just saying like come on i don't know <laughs> yeah it's uh it's fascinating to think about i know we're getting close on time but i have a like one more question and then uh I, i've been I'm big on semantics. I love language. And sometimes I see the language. If you take a high enough dose of mushrooms or anything, you can actually see your language, right? So I try to look at my language. And I, I'm i really upset about the word retreat. Like, I don't think that people should be going and retreating from your problems. So I'm thinking about we should make a move to have psychedelic confrontation centers. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought this up because okay, I recently uh, inspired a group to start calling them summits. Nice. Right, Very well done. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I do. I totally agree. Cause it's it not, can't. it's, and that's one of the things it's like, I've, I've been in psychedelic circles and communities where it is very retreat S you go there, mm. you do some yoga, you meditate. Right. And then I've been to the ones that really wake you the fuck right. up. The right. ones that really like 
poke at those those non-integral pieces of yourself in order so you can show up in the world more integrity with more integrity and authenticity and those are hard right right they will beat the shit of you and if you have a proper teacher he's not going to coddle you right like a good teacher isn't going to coddle you he's not going to make it all comfy cozy he's going to say go deep and go hard yeah you see that you see the dragon go into its mouth yeah see, <laughs> see how you taste yeah <laughs> Right, <laughs> totally, man. I love it. That's true. Yeah, man. Eric, this is awesome, man. I know you got. I know you're on a time restricted right here. Where can people? Your friend Aubrey over here is bust. Is uh, he's he's busting your balls. He says, Eric, do you have any regrets? Do I have any regrets? Yeah. Um, I do. I I have I have regrets, but I don't. Um, I have an insane amount of gratitude for the history of my life. There you go. But there are certain things where I was like, fuck, Eric, you probably didn't have to take it that far. <laughs> like, good thing you did that. And like, you right. did that journey. What a great journey you just went on. But like, ooh, like you, every bit of your body, every bit of your soul was telling you not to do that thing. Mm. And you didn't listen to it. So I do regret the times I don't listen to my myself, my true self. And do you think gratitude is sort of the elixir of, of an antidote for regret? An antidote for regret? Um, I think it'll help sort through mm. true regret versus false regret. Waters it down a little bit. Yeah. Kind of makes it pass through the system. Yeah. And it's just an essential for looking at your the, the history of your life. Yeah. Absolutely essential. Yeah, that's well said. I'm 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 thankful for that. And I'm thankful for your time, man. This has been really fun. I really enjoy getting to learn and talk to people who are passionate about amplifying good ideas and trying to throw some light onto the world and have a creative soul that helps build frameworks for other people to stand under. And so, Eric, before I let you go though, man, what do you got coming up? Where can people find you and what are you excited about? Yeah, so um I would just follow my socials eric Horback okay. on instagram and twitter like instagram uh man i took a hiatus from for quite a while um just in my research hole and investor and just doing that stuff for a while but i this this fall i'll be far more active on twitter and instagram mm -hmm. based on because we have a couple of projects that are launching and then i'll be kind of spearheading a little bit so i'm in the creator economy yeah artificial intelligence web three and then the human promise initiative is more of the psychedelic version the stuff that i'm working on and those are summits yeah <laughs> um Good. and you can follow my socials I'll, I'll i'll post those i think uh, in there's a link tree that in my socials that you can actually go to the one of my teachers his name is carlos warder mm -hmm. carlos is um an absolute genius in the psychedelic space and it is not the type of summits or retreats that you're going to do a bunch of yoga. It's, you go there to figure your shit out. Um, but a lot of the future ones will be more geared towards um, like there's, there's an internal history for us to clear up. Right. And then what? Right. Then we need to drive that energy towards something. So a lot of the future summits are more of like the full picture. Hmm. Forward. Yeah. Looker. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I think, uh, it would be unfair to not to mention that you and your wife have a family owned podcast where you guys go and do a lot of other stuff too, right? People can probably check that out. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, my chatting with Candace. Right. Um, she, she is the host. I'm more of like a back, back behind the scenes producer type stuff. Her and I were thinking about potentially doing some, some more stuff together this fall too. Right now. Right. So we have uh, almost a one year old and a three year old. Oh, so man. our lives have been. Ooh. Yeah, so our lives have been very just like kind of focused. Yeah, but we're starting to like, and anyone with kids understands. It's like okay, we still got a few years. Starting to like poke our head back out into the world. And <laughs> like, what's happening here? <laughs> it's so exciting, man. It's it's yeah. It's what's why we're here. And uh, so I'm super stoked, man. Thank you very much for today. Is there anything else that you, you want to the shout out before we go? No, no, that's it. And uh, yeah, you can follow my wife, uh, Candace Horvac. The last name is spelled H O R B A C Z. My first name is E-R-I-K, not C. Um, and uh, yeah, chatting with Candace. You can follow me and, and her, Candace Horback, Eric Horback. 
Fantastic. Well, hang on one second. I'm going to talk to you for one more quick second, but I'm going to hang up with all the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put the links in all the show notes. Um, if you're curious about Web3, if you're curious about gaming, or if you're curious about anything that we said in this particular conversation today, check out Eric, check out the podcast. And that's all we got for today. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.